0: I'm Jillian my Batman, and this is Change Already. Well, if you've been playing along with me the last couple of weeks, I started my new series for nonprofits last week. You know, as you recall, a couple of weeks ago, I decided that I would turn my entire month of July and all my shows over to nonprofit organizations that might not necessarily get enough attention out there they're doing worthy causes. And you know nowadays, the media is so selective of who they give their time to. I thought it would be my little way of giving back. It's not much, but it's, it's better. And they have the opportunity to say what they need and share their passion with you. So last week Thank you. I kicked off the series. Oh, you're welcome. There's there's our first <laughs> Um, last week, I kicked off a series with the social category with Danelia Foundation from Chicago, Illinois, and they assist people in finding and funding life-like prosthetics for anyone that needs them. And we talked to Michelle, who was the founder of this organization, and she was born without an arm, and she struggled for years in her childhood with self-confidence issues, and she kept looking for an arm. You know, she went through the hook process and all the regular protocols, but that just wasn't working for her, and she felt her self-confidence was going down. So in her later teens, she was able to connect with this artisan from the University of Chicago that specializes, believe it or not, in painting prosthetics that look as close to the human Uh, anatomy as possible so her story is really fascinating and inspiring if you want to go back and listen to her 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 show on change already at lovetalk.com take a listen to her story and she tells in her own words what her charity is about and how she continues to inspire others with her giving back Prosthetic client. This week, I want to continue our next inspirational and quite frankly, heart tugging charity that really focuses a lot of light in a very dark and uncomfortable subject. It's about children who have lost their lives to human cruelty, violence, and abuse. Now, I, I don't know if I just get tingled every time I read that because I just can't believe the epidemic that's going on about there. And hopefully your response is the same as mine, which is that anger that may even take you into rage. Those are both highly charged emotions, but what are we doing to change and get past our anger and rage? You know, if we stay stuck in this area of no zone, we're just going to end up spinning our wheels, people, and essentially, we're going to immobilize ourselves and take no action. Now, for most of us, that's where the interaction stops on this systemic problem we have within our society. We listen, we emotionally react, and then we just simply move on. This is not the case for our next guest that I have this week. They chose, and thankfully I might add, a different channel to to take these emotions and move them into action. And believe it or not, they've been able to bring in the form of art. You think of art as such a beautiful thing and an art piece that speaks to you. So I want to bring in our guests, and let me tell you just a little bit about what they do. The name of their nonprofit organization and the winner of the catalog, the category of children this week, is the Children's Wall of Tear. It's a movable art installation that's going across this country. And I'm going to ask them, I believe they said that it's going to start this summer, but we'll check on that. I know it sounds strange that they've taken this cause in an art, But they're the founders of National Association Against Children's Cruelty, and they've taken this art installation and really moved it to a next level of interaction. They're both involved in law enforcement. It's a husband and wife team, and their names are Jane and Leo Alvarez. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Now, instead of me telling what this is all about, you have been in law enforcement for a long time, and both of you are public speakers. So, take it away and tell us about this art installation, Children's Wall of Tears, and what you're doing with it, and why in the world you got
2: involved. Go ahead, Jay. The reason I got involved was 23 years ago. I adopted three severely abused children. Never in my wildest dreams did I know that it was going to awaken a real anger inside of me as to what is really happening to our children. There were 29 police reports, broken bones, sexual molestation. Uh, My 5-year-old was only 18 pounds when I got him. No teeth, no verbal skills, and yet I had to fight the system to remove these three children from drug addicts and a sex offender, a registered sex offender. It was then, in my capacity as a crime analyst at the time, I'm retired now, that I started tracking child cruelty because I had never been around it before until I adopted these three babies. I found such an alarming number of children being abused severely. I mean, put in comas, broken bones, sexually molested at one month old, being returned to their abusers. And that's what really started me. Doing this, I started uh, checking the children killed by their abusers. The mother is the number one killer, the father, number two, mother and father working together, number three, and the boyfriend or the girlfriend, number four. So I started listing these children on a virtual wall of tears just to prove a point. Not only is it an epidemic, it's pandemic here in America, let alone worldwide. So As I did this, I was interviewed on a radio station in Oklahoma City, and I made a comment. I know there's someone out there that can build this wall of tears for me. The next day I got a phone call, and that's how it was born. So we've been in this process of building the Children's Wall of Tears, a traveling wall, so we can take it across the nation, hopefully to inspire people to step out of their comfort zones, for one, to illuminate the laws that permit children to be reunified with their abusers, to raise the confidentiality shield that social services hides behind, because if you don't know about it, how are you going to fix it? And um, I think most importantly, give people a voice. Let them know that they can speak up. They can make these changes. I did it, and I won hands down. So. My husband and I have been working with families along the way, and people are just jumping on the bandwagon right now because they are so happy to see that we have something tangible. We have the names, the ages, the method of death, the uh, state they were killed, and we're also tracking suspect information to show that you can kill a child and get probation or keep your remaining children and never go to jail. But yet, if you uh, steal something, burglarize something, you might get five years in prison. This is outrageous. So, we're also showing the inequity of sentencing as well. And this, that's how we got started when I adopted the three children. Well, now, go with it, Um, We work with a group called Bikers Against Child Abuse. They're called BACA. And the reason we work with them is because they walk the walk and they talk the talk. Abused children are not silent, and I kept wondering why the American citizens are. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to know that a one-month-old has been sexually abused or that a five-year-old has had numerous broken bones or is starving. It's so ugly they don't want to look at it. And, folks, we have to look at it if we want to protect these children. I've been doing this for 23 years now the numbers are growing every year. I wrote a book called Blinders, which represents the attitudes of the American people. I wrote that book 20 years ago. I could publish it today because nothing has changed. Not a thing. Now, everyone we just had a million um million march against child abuse 2 months ago. How many people showed up? But yet, how many have continued that fight since that one day that they showed support? Not many. I can guarantee that.
1: And the interesting thing about this is that uh, we're we're literally preaching the choir, because if you take the figures that approximately 5 to 6 million children are abused each year, and you add that to the previous year, which is added to the years before that, we're, we're talking millions of Americans that have suffered abuse or neglect. And these are the people that we're trying to motivate. These are the people we're trying to educate. These are the people we're trying to empower to do something about these laws that keep sending children back to be abused and, in some cases, even killed. So our path is education, educating the public about what's going on, with the statistics, educating them about these laws that are in place right now that try to preserve an unfunctional Dysfunctional family in, in, in the mistaken belief that all people capable of giving birth to a child are perfect parents. When, when of course we know they're not. Not with the statistics out there showing that millions are being abused each year. And uh, I think a latest statistic in a uh, in congressional investigation said 2,500 children a year are killed alone, just in the United States. That's not even taking into account, as Jane said, the pandemic of worldwide child abuse and death. So this is what we're trying to do with the wall. Well,
0: um, we're also trying well, to change. Well, let me let me let me let me jump in here. A couple, uh, just a couple things that I I took some notes from. Let's get clear what we're talking about. This wall has the names of the children that have been killed as a result of violence and abuse correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Uh, okay. Now, has, the second... Pardon me? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, um, when I was doing research on this, you know, the first thing that came to my mind, James and Leo, was we have a wall for the Vietnam vets, right? We have a wall that has all the names of all the people that, you know, had their life taken in that war. And we also have a monument for 9-11, where we have all the victims that were taken during that tragedy. I am a little astounded, to be quite frank with you, how come this hasn't happened before? I don't understand. If you're telling me that this is, and and I'm taking you for your word that this is the real deal here, where and how come? Something hasn't done an in art installation like this before.
2: Well, I can clarify that for you right now. Unlike the Vietnam Wall, since 9 correct me if I'm wrong, Leo, on this one, 7,900 American soldiers have been killed in the Afghan and Iraq War. During that same period, 19,700 babies have been murdered here in the United States by their caregivers through abuse and neglect. That is outrageous. Now, the Vietnam Wall is finite. They might add a name or two every couple years when they find the remains of a soldier. The Children's Wall of Tears, and what we have now is the prototype, the traveling wall, because we, we have plans to build a monument is uh, a living wall because my husband and I spend four to five hours a day researching and listing at least ten children a day on the wall. So it's a living wall. So the wall, the traveling wall, is four feet tall, ten feet long, but the monument, of course, will be much larger. Um, It has two towers on it. One tower is scrolling the names, the ages, the method of death, these children were killed by. The other tower has a screen uh, showing the photos of these children. Now, you just said, if I'm correct, I invite anyone to research this. All you have to do is go to Google Alert and type in child death, child abuse, child injury. Within a couple weeks, you will have a 1,000 listings, at least a 1,000. We can't keep up. We spend four to five hours a day on the computer.
1: Yeah, back in uh, September of last year, I think we had just under a 1,000 names uh, listed on our virtual wall. As of today, there are over 4,200 names, and we have a backlog, backlog of names to add, not to mention the fact that every day we're having another child, two, three, four, five, six, killed. I mean, this this could go on and on and on until we put a stop to it. I I don't know that we'll ever be able to do that, but we're going to do our darndest to try to educate the American public about what is going on out there in the sake and in the name of family preservation.
2: I'll tell you how you can put a stop to it. You can start holding child abusers accountable and as the criminals they are. Child abuse is a crime. Child abusers are criminals. It's that simple. Jillian, if I walked up to you right now and I slapped you across the face, you could pick up the phone and have me arrested for a misdemeanor at at the least. If I injured you in any way, if I broke your nose, cut your face when I hit you, you could have me arrested for assault with a deadly weapon. Why is it, and that's a felony, why is it that we can break bones starve, beat, burn, sexually molest, scald our children, and it's a family problem. We have a department of social services, DCS, uh, DSS, it's called CPS, it's called different things in different states. They treat it as a family problem. It's not. It's a crime. And I could list hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories of infants five, six separate fractures, all in different stages of healing, and the child goes back. That is outrageous. We cannot allow this to happen. Child abuse is a crime. Child abusers are criminals. And that's the mentality we have to have.
1: And the thing about it is that when social services get involved, uh, they don't have the same power that a judge does. Now, judges in finding someone guilty can put those people on probation The penalty that if they do not comply with the conditions of probation, they can be jailed. Social services can send these people to classes, ask them to attend classes, but that's about it. They cannot guarantee that these people will uh, attend these classes or finish them successfully. There is no teeth to what social services can do, whereas with the court, of course there's teeth there. They can be held accountable. no, can you tell me just...
0: anything? Can I, Can we tell, is there any progress? I mean, since you've been in it for 23 years, is there any glimmer of hope? I mean, the way you make it sound, it sounds like uh, we're, like, doomed in this cycle that we're never going to get out. Are we making any progress, and, you know, do you have any glimpses of hope for the future?
2: Well, of course we do. That's why we're building right. the wall, and that's why we're moving forward with right. it. Uh, what we, the way we see ourselves is that if you're standing on a riverbank, Jillian, and you see a yeah. child float by, and you jump into that river, and you rescue that child, you're a hero. But then a few minutes later, another child floats by, and then another child. That's wonderful, and a lot of organizations are doing that. They're rescuing one child at a time. Leo and I see ourselves as standing on that same riverbank, looking down the riverbank coast to the pier where someone's throwing the babies into the water. That pier is Title 42 of the USC code. It's a federal code that uh, needs to be changed because all states are different in the way they handle child cruelty. Some don't even report it. And by changing that law, you have changed the entire United States because then they'll all have to comply with the federal law.
1: Because that's where they get their money from, the federal government. And without that money that they receive from the federal government, uh, they can't operate, so they have to comply with the federal law in order to get the funding. So once that change is made in that particular law, which is the same law that contains the confidentiality clause, once you make changes to that law, things should get better. But as it's okay. written, judges feel obligated to reunify children with even a parent who has murdered one of the siblings of that child. Uh, that's how ridiculous the law is.
2: And and, and for- I want to make it very clear that Leo and I know many, many social workers, many, many cops, and many, many judges.
1: There are a lot of good people in the system. There are. They go in with that that passion to make a difference in families' lives. But after a while, they're also disillusioned because their hands are tied by by rules, regulations, and, and procedures. And they really can't do the job that they felt they were going to be able to do when they got into the field.
2: And we've been to the autopsies. Uh, Leo was a coroner investigator for a while. We've seen it all. I have lived the night terrors, the food hoarding, the rage, and other behavioral problems that my three children suffered. And they were 18 months, three years, and five years when I got them, and they're adults now. They Some still have the problems. However, had I not had that experience, I would have been with the rest of society thinking, you know, everything's hunky-dory, and it's not. Uh, Not when the numbers continue to rise every year. And we, uh, even though we track child death, which um, shocks everyone, uh, many of those deaths are never recorded as a child abuse simply because the child might be put into a coma and then die five years later or four months later uh, because they develop pneumonia and the cause of death will be pneumonia, not child abuse. So, um, you know, we've uncovered quite a bit of deaths like that that never went down as a child abuse.
1: Or SIDS, another way that it's not, not not basically hidden, but misinterpreted, a child dies in bed. But the coroner looks at it as a SIDS death, which, of course, there may be. But then again, if they, they do a real thorough uh Uh, Autopsy, they may just find difference. Well,
2: most people don't know that you can't tell the difference between suffocation and SIDS. One of the autopsies I was uh, attending, I asked the the pathologist that uh, because he said SIDS, and I said, wait a minute, you've got a parolee boyfriend that has a very violent temper with his girlfriend who has this little baby. He's alone with the baby, sleeping with the baby, and the baby ends up dead. Now, uh, and then that's when the pathologist told me, he says uh, that it's very difficult for us because we can't tell the difference. So look oh, at how many... Red
1: flag. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is one of the problems. The other problem, of course, is that some states don't require that the coroner be a medical doctor. Uh, we were working one case uh, in Illinois where the uh, coroner for that county is a business owner, not even related to medicine. And the only requirement is that if there's a, a certain type of a homicide, that he has to have a pathologist to do the autopsy. Otherwise, sometimes the morticians do it. Uh, it, it all depends on what state you're living in and the laws within that state. Another instance is uh, the state of Illinois, for instance, where they give all power to uh Uh, Social services. If they feel that they need to call in police, they will. If they don't, they won't. And police kind of back off. They're not going to go into a child abuse case unless they're asked to do so by social services. So we have all these different combinations of laws uh, in place right now in different states. For instance, let me give you another one Uh, Lisa Guerrero, I think you've heard of her, Inside Edition. She just did uh, a uh, a show yesterday regarding a little girl who was killed by her mother. Tortured. Well, tortured and killed. And the mother was given 10 years. However, by the time the judge got through admonishing her, he said, you're going to serve 77 days of the 10-year sentence. And that's all she got.
2: And, and this is a mother who pulled the fingernails out of the baby's fingers, things like that, scalding seventy seven days, yeah, iniquity and sentencing again oh, are all right. different.
0: It just sounds like you could go on and on with just these sad stories, and you know what we're almost out of time, but there's a couple things I want to say: one, I'm always amazed at where the universe pulls people and where they find their niche to give back in their and where they feel to help the universe. And I got to tell you, the two of you, that you have really taken on a humongous, incredible challenge, but it sounds like that you're an expert at what you're doing, you found your niche of what you need to do to help this process get along. So I really want to thank you for all that you're doing. And then I want to talk real quick about one thing that, Jane, you told me off air was what is the biggest group of supporters that support your organization, the Wall of Tears? I thought that – do you know which one I'm talking about?
2: Yes, the bikers. Yes, uh, the it's really. Because if you know me, I'm very conservative. I wear a suit every day. Uh, I actually ran the gang unit out of my crime analysis unit that I managed. And I got a call one day from somebody up in Northern California that wanted to meet me. And they said, We understand you work with children. I said, Yes. He said, We'd like to meet you. So I show up at this building, in this big arena, filled with bikers, the leather, the tats, the tattoos, the uh, long hair, the long beards. And I thought, Oh, my God, what I get myself into? That was 11 years ago. They walk the walk, talk the talk. It's Bikers Against Child Abuse. And we have been working together, and they are going to help
1: us escort this wall across the nation. Let me tell you something about these Bikers Against Child Abuse. First of all, they are not what they seem to be. We're talking professionals. We're talking therapists here. We're talking attorneys. We're talking doctors we're talking even a guy that works on on the uh, Mars program right now uh, out of Los Angeles uh these guys are professional they're, they're not bikers yeah not your run of the mill people who drink no they hey, are got a lot yeah of friends that
0: are bikers. Yeah, that's right, and and that I thought that was the greatest thing. We should win, finish the show with thank you bikers for picking up this cause. I want to do a okay. couple things. Could you tell Could you tell us your email, where we can get a hold of you, and when is the uh, wall going to start moving through the country?
2: Well, the wall is going to start moving uh, in August up the coast of California. In January, we're going to take it across the nation to Louisiana for the International Convention of Bikers. So we will be creating a route. But if you go to the Children's Wall of Tears, plural, .org, uh, you'll be able to see the wall. You'll be able to see the wall I'm talking about, the virtual wall and the actual wall itself. And uh they can reach us at Jane Alvarez at C S dot com or hoops, H O O P S nineteen thirty-three at C S dot com. We have grown international and there's only five of us on our board. Uh yet we reach wow. over five hundred people, you know, every year, you know, the, the other charities. We do a lot of charity work ourselves. So uh the well, children's I- wall of Yep,
0: in California,
2: right? Uh yes. Uh August in California and then January we'll be taking it across the nation.
0: I saw the wall. Of course it went to your website. I thought it was beautiful. Phone number and all is there. Um well I really, <laughs> really want to thank all of you. <laughs> Um. Bless both of you for being on my show today, and make sure that you go to that website. It's org. They are doing an exceptional job to keep this auction and what they need to do and change in the child abuse arena at the forefront of our minds. So bless both of you. So I want to tell you're welcome. Next week, I'm going to continue this series with Sam Bass Theater for Children in Texas. But remember, between now and then, change doesn't have to be difficult, but it is necessary to grow. I'll see you same time, same place, high noon, Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining Jillian today. Don't miss her famous at-home personal enrichment lessons. You can complete them on your own time to accelerate your personal change. They're simple and nothing like you've experienced before. Just like Jillian, warm and fuzzy with an attitude. So change already.